Hello everyone and welcome to This Nintendo Life. My name is NBZ and this is episode 42, Our Lives Bally Now Have Meaning. Uh, and of course, I've already said his name, but here he is, for your pleasure, Bally, welcome to the show. Hello NBZ, glad to be here. Super excited for our E3 2015 special. Well, this is technically not our special. I mean, that's going to be after the Nintendo Digital event. But this, of course, is our prediction show before E3 happens, where we basically come up with a bunch of bullshit that is all going to be proved no, wrong in no, a couple of weeks' time. it's facts. It's facts. These well, are things that are going to happen. Right. Well, you can believe in your own jibbity dupe but I won't, because, uh, frankly, it's Nintendo, and they will do whatever the hell they want. So, uh, yeah, uh, so we're going to be talking E3 predictions later in the show. Um, we're going to start with our standard stuff, but Bali, how about you tell us uh, how the full layout is going to go? So, as usual, we've got what we've been playing, and then we are going to have an extended segment to talk about last year's predictions, what went down then. We've got some new predictions for this year. And we're going to talk about some of your emails that you sent to us um, with your predictions for this year as well. It's a prediction-filled, lovely, juicy, extended sure. part of the show. And I'm sure people will enjoy it. Because I always love listening to other people's predictions uh, this time of year. Um, it's always a good, fun thing to do. It's silly, but um, I derive enjoyment from it. And uh, a lot of people do, so it's a good thing. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, kick things off. Let's get into gear here. And Bali, uh, you have conquered, uh, one might say, a, not just a mountain, but a fucking planetoid uh, of some description as you have come to the end of a long, 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 long journey. Yeah, so I completed this little game called Xenoblade. Oh, uh, ra- I think this deserves yeah, this a round a of applause. Moment. Bali. Well done. Congra- I'm proud of you for making this achievement, really. <laughs> and as I'm sure you're aware, MBZ, the end of Xenoblade absolutely destroyed me. It, like, it, it, it absolutely it terrible things me. to your soul, and uh, I, I didn't have the same experience, which is why I found it kind of perplexing that you get to the end of Xenoblade, and, you know, for the most part, a lot of the hardest boss fights that were happening throughout the game were behind me I went into the last boss battle and just basically cleaned my way through first time and was like yeah that was alright that wasn't too bad it was pretty fun and saw the end cutscene and it was awesome you were a little bit of a different matter uh, shall we say yes um, I don't even want to describe how long and how many times I actually spent on that last boss but let's just say it was a ridiculous like ordeal it, it got to the point where I had to put my own disc of Xenoblade into my system <laughs> to check what stats my characters had at the end game and what pieces of armor they had. And I even had to walk Bally through an area to find a chest that had a piece of gear that I thought would help him in the final battle. I needed that's those the, that's the length we it. went to to try and get you to finish this game. Um, yes, and your help did help in the end um, because... A few tries after um, we went over what was wrong with my party and what I needed to fix, I did eventually beat the final boss. And we've started on the negative here, and I don't want that to be my. Um, you, you, every, I don't, don't want that to be the listener at home's impression of my my impression of Xenoblade. However, I worded that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. I I love this game. 
Uh, I really, really, really love this game. Um, just because I struggled with some of the more technical um, RPG-related stuff um, sort of throughout. Not throughout, but near the end on some of the final bosses. Um, I don't want that to like sour the tone at all because I think this is the best video game story I've ever experienced. And it's such a cool finale. Um, that it's, I don't want to spoil the story for people out there. Well, we should mention it. that we are planning to do a full-blown spoiler cast Absolutely. for Blade. Um, and that will probably come after E3, just because we're doing a lot in preparation for that, and obviously it's going to be very busy. Um, but after E3, we are putting out a spoiler cast where we will just sit here for however long, hash out the details of the story and the spoilers and what happened. And if you have played it, if you finished it, you can listen to that and enjoy it and save it for another time if uh, you haven't beaten the game yet. So um, hopefully people will enjoy that discussion when it comes. Yeah, and I really look forward to that discussion because I feel like my hands are almost tied right now trying to talk about this game without mentioning the details of the story because for me that was the best part of this game was the story and through those challenging bits near the end of the game that was the main thing bar none that was driving me on saying Bally you have to finish this game like you need to find out what happens what on earth is going to happen to all these characters um, and it just keeps driving you through um, and I've said before on the show but like every time that the game felt quite grindy and like the story was kind of slowing down you'd always be hit with a massive cutscene and there might be a new character stuff would happen um it would just keep on keep the momentum going um and so after the story i think my favorite thing was probably like the world creation like the the world in xenoblade is absolutely unbelievable and I, I words can't really describe how awesome exploring those um, lands feels because they are just so expansive so colorful this game is incredibly colorful like you can look at loads of amazing open world games today and I, I I'm struggling to think of one that has as much color as Xenoblade. Or indeed as much variety in terms of areas and landscapes that you go to. Mm. You know, um, let's talk a little about Witcher 3 being extremely gorgeous, because I'm going to talk about that later. But even that game doesn't have the variety in terms of locales that Xenoblade offers. Um, It's very, very different and kind of stands out because of it. Mm. And... Like I've I've never other than Pokemon and we've had this debate but not really Harvest Moon it's not really an RPG it's a life sim but like I've really have little to no experience of RPGs. So how was it then as your first RPG? Do you think you jump j- jumped in at the deep end or was yeah, it? Yeah, okay? I think that the deepest parts of this game in terms of mechanics do get relatively heavy like for me at least especially someone who doesn't know what works with what um so stuff like the gem crafting in this game and mixing up party members i feel like the game is really good early on at explaining a lot of the mechanics and the battle mechanics and the collecting mechanics and how to how to how to progress through the game successfully and overcome the monsters that you're fighting um, I feel like it gradually kind of teeters away and moves away from 
um, explaining everything as clearly and to the point where if you're someone like me, you're kind of left out in the cold a bit. And there were parts of this game where I'd like maybe die on a boss and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. I have no idea how to change my party to adjust the gems, adjust the equipment, which party members to use, quite frankly, um, and work out how to overcome this challenge. And I feel like more effort could have been made in forcing you to mix up your party a bit more, perhaps. Um, They do it kind of a couple times in the game, but it's a very short period of time and the challenge you have to get over isn't that high, so... Exactly. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can even avoid combat almost entirely with a f- couple of those scenarios. Um, and I'm not... If it had forced you to mix up party members, I really hope that it could have also explained more how to use those party members. So, for example, Dunban and Melia are two really interesting, really cool characters that are obviously very important to the story, and um, I just wish I'd used both of them more. Um, Melia is just such a cool character with her use of ether and the way that she's got all these buffs that buff your party, and then you can le- unleash them all at once in an attack. And I... Even though I can explain that to you, I still don't understand the technical aspects of how that works. That, right, like, I mean, neither did I. I really only yeah. used Melia once in the game, and it was for a boss battle that, frankly, I couldn't finish otherwise without using her. And you did the exact same thing. So. Yeah, exactly. And it's the, the idea where you're controlling one party member, but then you have two other party members controlled by the computer. I feel like the game almost says, right, well, the computer's controlling these two characters, so you don't worry your pretty little head. You can just control Shulk, and you'll be okay. And while that's t- that works fine, like 99% of the time, that 1% where that formula of just you worry about your own character and it'll kind of work itself out, when it doesn't work, it's really frustrating. And I just wish the game did more for RPG noobs like me to just kind of give you a helping hand and say, hey, actually, there's a real weakness with, say, your ether defense or something in your party. You might want to look into that. Or I don't know. I don't know how the game would even overcome this issue. But um, I just found elements particularly challenging. And I think that someone who has knowledge of RPGs would probably find this game a hell of a lot easier than I did. Um, I mean, even then, like, I've played some RPGs before Xenoblade, but there are so many, like, little things where you have to keep track of your AP, you have to keep track of affinity between party members, you have to keep track of your equipment, your gems, like, there are multiple different things, skill links, we haven't even talked, like, there are so many variables that come down to creating your character that it's just kind of a little bit intimidating. Yeah. Um, So... And, I mean, for the for the amount they're trying to bite off, they do a really good job of, like, because those early tutorial, um, sort of, not cutscenes, they're sort of tutorial slideshows that you get early in the game. They, they do work really well, um, and I, I really didn't come to you much, I feel like, at the start of the game, MBZ saying, oh, I'm really, really super confused about this. I just kind of learned it from the game itself, and it was more the later game where I'd come to you like, I'm really struggling with X. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, but I just think, the sto- like I said, the story and the world creation just dragged this game along for me. The RPG elements were great, um, and 
tough, but they definitely weren't like something that naturally appealed to me. Sure. Um, but that story, that world, um, and that story in that world would only work in an RPG. If this was like an action game or something, like an action adventure, I think I'd, you'd get quite burned out. Like, because RPGs, as much as they are tough and long, you can play three hours of Xenoblade and not really feel like you've stressed yourself out particularly. Like, right. you're just it, naturally exploring. Exactly. It's all about the type of game experience it is. I say, for example, like, earlier this year I played One Finger Death Punch, which is this high-octane, super-intense thing. I literally couldn't play that game for more than 15 minutes. I, I tried, and I just wouldn't be able to hold my focus, because you are, like, in the moment, so focused for such a short period of time. Um, like, playing that game for an hour straight, I... I don't think it would be possible but absolutely you can sit for a whole seven hours with xenoblade as i did multiple times and not get tired or bored of it mm. um so yeah, yeah it's, no, it's, exactly it's, it's a genre thing really um, so i mean overall i absolutely loved it i just wish i'd done more party management and more exploration throughout because it would have like you said you get experience from the exploration um you probably naturally find more items collect more more things so i wish i'd explored a bit more and i wish i just kept on top of equipment and gems a bit more just throughout um but that's my fault not so much the games um, and I... Well, you have an opportunity to fix that coming up later this year, Valley, when its sequel comes out, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of the same elements uh, involved. I mean, I'm a bit burned out on RPGs right now, but I think the timing of Xenoblade X is going to be a great um, time for me to jump into that, and that's probably going to be the next big RPG I play, to be honest, um, and I look forward to it, and yeah, can't wait for us to do this spoiler cast, because like I said, the story, that is my number one thing, and can't wait to delve in, delve deep into that. Well, we certainly will, uh, but before we delve deep into that, how about we dive deep into some ink with uh, a bit of Splatoon, because we have continued to play that uh, over the past couple of weeks, and uh, we've both now beaten the single-player mode, so I thought we'd have a little bit of a chat about that um, and our ongoing experience. Um, so, Bali, you basically beat the single-player mode in a single sitting, which I think <laughs> is a little bit insane, but it's totally possible. It's like three hours long-ish, um, maybe a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I was pushing pretty hard, and it took like maybe four hours or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not a significant part of the game, um, but I think there's lots of cool stuff. Um, you're super positive on it, Bali. What are some of the things that you took out of the single player campaign? Um, I think that the comparison between Mario Sunshine and Galaxy is spot on, and it's like these are short, sharp levels um, with unique platforms that are floating around, all that kind of thing. I I just think that. Give Mario a gun that where the ink, where the water or ink, whatever you want to call it, he's spraying affects his jumping, and that's what you have here. Like it just works so well, um, and just the feedback and the sound design of defeating enemies. While that works great in multiplayer, of course, it's just so nice to just beat up the computer. And the, obviously, a lot of the the computer enemies are very simple. You just point and shoot and they're dead very very quickly um and like just i feel the the single player you've although there's no time limit at all uh certainly on many of the more difficult stages i feel you have such an advantage the faster you move about and i think that might be the case with any shooter but just the faster you can move about do stuff shoot things 
the safer you are, the more you can kill um, on screen in front of you more quickly, obviously. And I just think that it's nice that there isn't a time limit because you can just kind of go on a massive shooting spree and then duck for cover, take a breath and go for it again. I think that there's elements of the single player uh, missions that work really well for that, where there are times where you're just completely bombarded by enemies um, right, I think certainly with, with like those giant fat enemies that drop yeah. the ink, ink strikes, those levels you have to yeah. go quick to no, get ex- through. Absolutely, yeah. Um, um, I love it. I I really really enjoyed it, um, and it's a shame that it was relatively short, but it is such a multiplayer focused uh, game, and I think that was a pretty awesome single player mode um, to add to it. So yeah, super positive from me. Well, I think there are elements that are great about it. Like, I love the mechanics of the sponges, right, which soak up ink and expand. And I think (laughs) it would be really nice if they took some of those things and, like, created multiplayer maps based around them um, because they aren't really represented on that side of the game, and I think it would kind of shake things up. And, you know, the multiplayer maps are different, but I don't think they're different enough. Um, So adding those elements could help. I think there are problems, though, when we come to things like this whole stage is just the multiplayer map, but you've got to shoot Octolings who are in it, right? Like, there are multiple stages like that, where it's like you're just going around the multiplayer maps that you've already played, collecting these dots, which aren't in necessarily interesting areas for design purposes. They're just dropped on the floor, and you're just going around shooting enemies as you go through the multiplayer levels. So that felt like a bit too much reskinning and not super new interesting ideas. And there's not many levels as it is there's like 27 total so when you take at least six of those and just designate them to that it kind of cheapens it a little bit for me um there are also parts where i just think i don't know i just feel like i'm walking along and shooting enemies and not doing too much interesting um mechanics wise um there's you know the moment here and there but Yeah, it was fun, but I just didn't think it was kind of this jaw-dropping, innovative thing um, like I feel the multiplayer is. Um, And certainly, by the end of it, you know, you get to the final boss. That thing is like this stupid spike in difficulty. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. You're... See, okay, so there's a thread on NeoGAF saying Splatoon's final boss is the best final boss in any shooter. I agree. Well, I've never played any other shooter, but, you're but just I being, agree. You're just being a fanboy. I am, stuff. absolutely. Um, yeah. But I, I can't agree with that sentiment because I don't think it's particularly interesting mechanically. It shows off all the mechanics that you fight it with in about, like, five minutes or less than that, and then it just continues on and on and on, and all it does is it just keeps getting harder and throwing more shit at you and just kind of unfair in some segments really that I found which was just like it it gets to a point where it's not fun anymore it's frustrating and I got almost to the end of um, beating it and I died and I was like fuck I'm not trying that again I turned my Wii U off and I sat here and I didn't go back to it until like an hour later because it was just super fucking annoying like the rest of the bosses are your standard Mario three hits or Zelda three hits and it's dead and they work perfectly they're beautifully designed there are so many interesting ones like the fish with the teeth you have to shatter and get away from and like the guy who basically sinks in your own ink like really cool ideas there that are fun and enjoyable and the perfect length for a boss battle the final boss was just taking the fucking mick man it was stupid (laughs) it really didn't deserve to be that long they should have shortened it um and it kind of 
you know, tarred the experience for me at the end. It was just a pain in the ass, really. So I, I, I agree. It was really tough, but that's also why I loved it. I can, I can kind of also agree that it was a little bit long, but I feel they were just trying to go for something that was epic and like that formula you were saying before with the three hits and it's dead i think that anyone could have predicted that the final boss would be three hits and it's dead but then all of a sudden they throw this marathon of a boss battle at you at the end and while right i wouldn't i wouldn't even mind if it was nine hits and it's dead like triple it no they go for like fucking 15 it's dumb it is like seven segments longer than it needs to be i don't think it's 15 I think it's, it's like it's something stupid, really. I think if you're talking in terms of hits, it's about seven to ten. I yeah, I don't agree. But it, I, it depends how you define more... hits as well. So yeah, okay. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's I I I personally like it, and I I actually think this is going to sound so fanboyish, but like I think some of these bosses are the best Nintendo bosses I've ever seen. And that's partly... I don't think they're necessarily the best. I just think they're a lot of fun. Like, some of the other bosses are just really good fun. Yeah, but that's what makes them so awesome. Like, yeah. um, And albeit that I've never really played any other Nintendo games where you actually have, like, a gun in the same way as you do in Splatoon. I mean, obviously Metroid Prime is, has some awesome, awesome bo- bosses. Um, but I, but I just... feel like Metroid is much more just hammer the button until it's dead, whereas Splatoon has design around it for the bosses, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Metroid Prime is, like, ob- overly over the top with the, with the hammer the button and it's dead, but I do think Splatoon is much better than a game like Metroid at being innovative with the bosses and how to defeat them. And sure, yeah. They were, they were definitely the best bit of the single player. Cool. Um, so yeah, you uh, haven't had much chance to play more multiplayer because you don't have internet access on your Wii U right now. I mean, I did do a bit of the ranked battle. Um, got up to a C rank, I think. No, maybe not. I think I'm still C minus, but yeah, I won a few of those matches and they are so much fun. Like, they're super intense. I was getting like ridiculous KD um uh records with like 16 4 on one of them which i was super chuffed with um and yeah i really enjoy it it's like it's a nice mix up to um uh turf war uh, so i look forward to more multiplayer modes and look forward to playing more of them yeah i mean um after going through the single player i actually unlocked a bunch of guns which were the ones that i really wanted to play with and now they are basically my favorite guns in the game uh the arrow spray the gold arrow spray is the one that i play with now um it's basically the the custom Shot junior but more powerful has better range and just all around better for coverage and it has basically got me sitting at over a thousand points every match even when i lose the match i'm still over a thousand points so that's why I've kept going with Turf Wars because you're guaranteed experience as you go through that and while I'm still leveling up to 20 I want to have matches give me experience every time whereas if I go into rank battle and I lose I literally get zero uh, if the match doesn't turn out in our favor so I'm going to basically wait and do more ranked battle when I actually hit the level cap but until then I think I'm just going to keep grinding away and just enjoying using uh, the weapons that I have um, and unlocking new stuff and getting new gear um, have, did you dip much into the gear yet Bally? Um, a little bit, uh, but um, and my favorite at the moment is the NES Zapper. Um, I actually prefer that to the Splatter Shot Junior, just because it f- it fires in a straight line more so 
that it's definitely better for ranked battles for focus fire. yeah definitely um so that's how i was getting all those kills but um funnily enough because i've been playing without the online i've been playing offline um for the single player uh my special golden gun or whatever you called it hasn't unlocked yet so i think i'm the wrong level or need to connect online but i'm, I'm sure i'll prefer that to the zapper yeah, it's a it's a really good fun weapon to use, and loads of people use it, so not surprised. Um, but Splatoon continues on. We'll keep playing it as soon as they just you know keep putting content out as long as that happens. Um, you know, they even put the ink brush out recently. Which um, quick thoughts on that? I don't think that's very gr- good. It's I fun agree. to run around <laughs> quickly with, but it doesn't seem very efficient. Uh, I think you need to practice a lot with it to get good with the ink brush. But it's a super cool idea. You know, it's very unique. But I really want to see a tournament mode so we can play some tournaments with the listeners. Yeah, I hope they add that soon, and it's probably going to come, you know, later in the year. They'll they'll do what they've been doing is every couple of weeks they're like, oh, here's a new thing, and we keep coming back to it. Um, so I'm perfectly fine with that. All right, well, uh, I think that's Splatoon for us. Um, Bali, I have uh, sunk myself into a deep hole, which I don't ever want to climb out of, and I'm not sure I will for a long time. Um, as I mentioned last week, I have The Witcher 3. Uh, which is the new hotness right now. Everyone's talking about it. It's getting a lot of nods in terms of, you know, people thinking probably like game of the year status. Um, you watch me play some of this, Bally. Mm. Um, before I jump in, I want to give uh, you the floor for a second. Give me your thoughts on the game. Okay, first of all, visually, it was like the best thing I've ever seen. Now, I've not seen you play many games on your PC, but the frame rate you were running that at and the resolution was mind-blowing. It looked goddamn beautiful. Uh, and I just thought it, that was the first thing that hit me. And it's the, the world design just looks like... It is quite generic fantasy, but they do it so well. I think, um, and I just loved the way that it looked. Um, in terms of what you were doing and the villages, exploring the villages, going on short quests, exploring these caves and things, fighting monsters and things, all of that was just amazing. Like, the villages have so much character. Um, it really feels like it's a lived-in world, you know? Absolutely. Like it feels like these people are actually real, and the thing that backs that up is every character, the, even the tiniest of side quests, they have full dialogue. There are even multiple dialogue options that you get to choose as you go through those things. And you just think, like, how much was spent on the voice acting alone for this game? Because it is staggering. It's ridiculous, the amount that's in here. Um so that's something that really blew my mind. Um, we actually went on a quest when you were here and uh, into this dungeon, which it was really funny because the dungeon was basically a cheese dungeon. So it was my worst nightmare. If you don't know me uh, and my food habits, um, and Bali has known this for a very long time, I, I literally am afraid of cheese. Like I fucking can't stand it unless it's basically on pizza. Cheese or like... is so good. Right, basically, but raw cheese like fucking freaks me the hell oh, out. So, love it, raw cheese, it's this dark dungeon, and you're just going through these areas, and like you can't breathe because of the smell of the cheese. Basically, instead of poison gas, it's just cheese stench that's happening. And like we go through, we find this guy who's like lying on a bench, and he's like got tubes and shit in his nose and his ears, like pumping cheese stuff into inside him. It's really fucking weird and obscure and crazy and like more funny than serious which is strange when you have like this really dank dark setting um 
I did, what did you think of that like whole thing, Bally? I definitely preferred the big, expansive, open-world field riding on your horse than the creepy dungeon, yeah. cheese dungeon. Um, but, I mean, that's that's what these open-world games have to do. They have to mix things up, make things interesting. And, yeah, it's it's funny. It's, inter- it's cool. It's nice. It's a nice change. And this idea that there are these caves and dungeons out there that have some big-ass monsters and things like that in it to fight, like, that's just really awesome yeah it, it kind of like opens the scope for it even more because not only do you have this giant world to play in like that quest was completely optional off to the side just a random question mark that popped up while i was exploring and i probably wouldn't have found it any other way unless i just like walked across that guy at another point in time like it wouldn't have been on a notice board or anything and this whole section this whole underground area completely designed um and fully fleshed out and like a lot of people will just completely miss that and never see it and it's a full big part of the game um so i just think like the the detail and the level and lengths to which they go are kind of crazy um i saw a thread on neogaf today which said that the money spent on witcher 3 was about 35 million dollars if you were to translate it from um wow What's the currency in poland is it euros or do they still have their own currency yes poland's euros as far as i'm aware Okay. Well, apparently the budget was 32 million and then 35 million for marketing. Um for me like that actually sounds quite low considering the scope of this game. I feel like a lot of other games go, you know, way higher than that. Um like GTA I believe was 100 million or 500 million or something crazy, wow. GTA 5. So the fact that they did this for 32 is kind of staggering. Um it really What is, do you think you know, Zelda Wii U will be? Um what money wise yeah money wise oh jeez i have no idea um i'd say it's probably going to be the most expensive game nintendo's ever made um, <laughs> probably yes but uh, in terms of ballpark figures i don't know because of the yen and because it's all yeah, in japanese currency yeah. it's it's hard to hard to pay but this out. game like the zelda comparisons are obvious but i mean even though i don't own it that game has just made me so pumped for zelda wii u it's unreal because just an open world fantasy game we've had skyrim i mean you've got your issues with skyrim mbz but i mean that was well i've never played skyrim but the the problem i have with it is that it basically forces you to be in first person if you play in third person it's doable but like the combat stuff doesn't work as well and i just don't like i like the third person exploration camera angle i don't like first person when you're walking around places not to mention sometimes it gives me motion sickness so (laughs) And you, you've got to have that sort of, you know, Batman, Assassin's Creed. Um, goodness sake, what's that Lord of the Rings game that came out? Shadow of Mordor fight style, where it's kind of like a, a slick beat em up. Yeah, and I mean, Witcher isn't quite the same as that. Oh, right. Like, Is it not in similar? terms of its combat style, it's you have to mix up your sword moves with, like, signs, they're called, which are basically weak magical. Uh, spells that you have access to so one is like fire one is like a telekinetic blast one is a shield that protects you uh, allows you to take a couple of hits without taking damage but it's very kind of animation based and if you're not paying attention then you'll get hit it's a sort of thing where you don't like in mario if you get hit you have like a couple of frames where you flash and you can't get hit again like you can just get hit multiple times in a row without 
being staggered back. So yeah. you have to be careful with it. It's um, it's kind of a, a bit more of an old school. I like how style. you use Mario as a comparison. That was fun. Well, it's just the first thing that came to my brain. As you, you know, you 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 have invincibility frames, right? Yeah, and Nintendo loves a few invincibility frames. You're right. Right. So the danger in Witcher is you are surrounded by like four enemies, and even if they're like six levels lower than you, they can put on the hurt pretty quickly. Because if they're all hitting you at the same time, your bar is just like going down because you don't get like frames to run away from them you just get hit 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 so you do need to be careful and kind of draw people away and take enemies on one at a time um, and give yourself space but that's something that I like about it it's more of a patience based combat system like it's not all about guns blazing going in um, you need to kind of sit back and you know prepare yourself a little um, so I have uh, yeah there's there's so much more to talk about and I don't know if I want to get that deep into it like a, a few things here in terms of um, world creation there's a quest that I went on where this guy's like oh the beast there's this beast who's killed our men it's out in the forest please can you go find it we'll pay you so I go off on the trail like sniff it out find uh, you know this area and I come across this elf who like points an arrow at me and I'm like alright take me to your leader and uh, they take me to this female elf who's their, le- their leader and she's like oh there's no beast we're, we're just the, like this band of uh, rebellious elves who are killing their men instead um, so it turned out no there's no creature it's just these kind of they're called the Scoia'tael and they play a big role in Witcher 2 they're basically like a rebellion elf faction and in Witcher 2 you get the decision to join them or to join like the human side and I actually chose their side in Witcher 2 um, so I feel like more sympathetic towards them because in this world dwarves and elves and like not humans basically are looked down upon racially um so it's kind of giving that message through fantasy tropes instead of you know using actual um real world races and um so for that reason like i kind of side with them a lot and i was like no i don't want to kill you it's fine um so i left them to do their own thing i went back to the guard and i was like right there wasn't a beast there there were just these elves in the woods and the guy was like did you kill them i was like no because i like them and he was like well fine i'm not paying you because you didn't kill them and he's like right we're gonna deal with them later so i'm like oh shit i didn't get my money but at least the elves are okay they should do all right good guy good guy (laughs) but here's the thing about 10 hours later game time wise i'm just wandering past the the main gate of the big city and behind me i hear a voice which says Vatgern, you betrayed us! And Vatgern is basically the elven word for Witcher. I turn around and it's the leader of that female elf troop and she just, like, comes out and attacks me! I'm like, holy shit! Like, her troop got attacked by those guys and she survived and she sought me out because she knows that I basically ratted her troop out and betrayed her and she's after my blood. And at that point, I was super high level, so she only took a couple of hits to kill. But it's like, wow! That level of detail where this like single side quest that is seemingly meaningless comes back like 10 hours later floored me absolutely floored me and that stuff happens again and again and again and it never gets old it is always refreshing and interesting and fascinating that is so cool that that, Um, that is just amazing like because in a fantasy setting that it's I, i bet it's easy to don't get me wrong, it's incredibly hard to design an open world game, but I think the initial creating the world on paper, while it's hard to do from a financial perspective, is 
kind of you know what you're trying to achieve but that ability to create all these plot lines that interact and create a real living breathing world on that physical world that you create like to nail that and get it so right is really cool for this game and like i i've not played like an open world fantasy game before but it's it's like you know it's the whole Dungeons and Dragons realized in a video game that I feel like a lot more games are are doing better than they used to. Yeah, absolutely. It's um it's the kind of setting that I really like. Um, and it's something that again I feel like you'll like this as well. But it's something that turns me off most open world games is that they're urban environments like Watch Dogs and Grand Theft Auto. Like modern just day in these... urban, yeah. Right, they're all mean. set in cities yeah. and these places, which I don't feel are that interesting to me personally. And like on that note. You know, you like something like Assassin's Creed because it is more historically. Um, oh, definitely. Based, that's um, a big that setting. Yeah. Um, so that's why you probably kind of are more drawn towards that. But even in something like Assassin's Creed and like Red Dead Redemption, I've said before about how I don't like going out and doing side quests because I feel like they're meaningless and they don't add anything. And that's the difference here with Witcher is that everything feels like it matters. Yeah. And I care about it, and I care about the world and the characters in it, and the the law. And I like it's the sort of thing where it is made me feel like I should actually go and read the books that the, this, these games are based on, like the Polish That's original really cool. short stories, yeah. um, because I really like the world and its setting and um, and all the law behind it. So. Um, and the other thing is that it's an RPG, right? So it's to your benefit to go out and do side stuff because you're always gaining experience and leveling up, and that's a good feeling. So it helps in that sense also. Um, but man, I am a, I'm like I'm at 45 hours now in Witcher 3. I'm not even out of like the first act of the game. I've just got to the third large area, which is just stunning. It is this like mountain escape where you can climb up these snowy hills and see like for miles in the distance and is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in a game and I'm really excited to explore that landmass uh, and just have a good time in it and I will probably just be talking about Witcher in the future until I finish it because I don't want it to stop and this is clearly going to take me a long time to beat but I don't care because I love it that much and it is now challenging Ori in the Blind Forest for my game of the year of and I didn't of course it is it and I didn't to. think but I didn't think that would happen Bally. I was so like resolute and certain about how much I love that game you weren't even going to get this game were you really well I I was interested in it, but the real reason I have it is because it came free with my graphics card, right? So I managed to snag a deal where I got a brand new graphics card, which was powerful enough to run it, and I got access to it. And because I had that opportunity, I played The Witcher 2, which I'd had for a long time, and I loved The Witcher 2, so it basically prepped me for this game, and this game is like like six times better than that. So, yeah, it's um, it's a happy time for me i'm very pleased with it and man bali one day you can get a steam box maybe and play it but i don't see any other avenue to go down yes, right now yeah, for you, no, unfortunately. it's another one that i'm just going to add to that list of games i can't play but i'd love to try one day but yeah yeah well there we go we've match uh, that talked... nintendo match <laughs> that come on zelda Pull out, pull out the big ones. Um, so that is going to be our segment. Uh, thank you for sticking with us through the stuff we've been playing, and we are going to now get to the meat of the show with our Nintendo E3 predictions. So do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Here. 
Okay, everyone, I hope your seatbelts are on. I hope you are strapped in because we are all bored the E3 hype train. Choo-choo. And it is time to get out of the station. We've been here sitting long enough, Bally, a whole fucking year since last E3. I'm, look, I'm tired. I'm angry. I want E3 now. I want it in my veins. I want a medical doctor to come and inject it into my face. Um,. How are you feeling about the E3 hype train ballet? I'm pretty pumped. Definitely. Like this is this is the time where I feel like our podcast can shine the most. Yes. Because we like to get excited. Exactly. <laughs> um well yeah, there's loads of stuff to talk about. Um we are going to do our E3 predictions. Uh we asked some of you people for some of yours and we have for those coming up. But uh first of all, Bally, uh as master of listening back to old podcasts and writing things down. Uh, I'm a librarian. You are. You're the librarian. Uh, You listened back to our last year's podcast, and I don't believe we actually went over the predictions last year for our reaction show, Uh, so I guess we're just going to go over them now, (laughs) a year later, and see what we predicted back then, uh, and laugh at ourselves, because clearly we were just terribly wrong. Uh, So uh, let's go through these, Bali. What were our predictions from last year? So last year, you predicted there would be a 2D Metroid on 3DS. Okay, that happened, right? We, yep. we loved that game. Um, it was, I uh, love it. It's a great 10 out of 10. Metroids. Yeah. Yep, good game. <laughs> um, you predicted that a brand new IP would use the NFC figures, and you thought that game was going to be the game that Miyamoto is working was, or is, still is, working on. That's interesting. So we did get a brand new IP that did use yep, NFC yep. figures, which is in the form of a That's Amiibo. That's definitely worth at least half a point. At least, yeah. Um, it wasn't necessarily Miyamoto's game uh, because he's really working on Star Fox and stuff. But um, I'm happy that I got that one nailed down. It felt, like last year, really felt like the time for a new IP. I'm less kind of optimistic about that prospect this year, um, but you never know uh, because you know that was a great thing, and we're really enjoying that game. So I'm very happy about it. So you also thought, and I guess there's a possibility this could still be the case because we've not seen gameplay but probably not as you thought Shimagame Cross um, Fire Emblem was going to be a fighting game oh yeah I remember that and then I realised afterwards that they had already announced that it was going to be an RPG so so that was a really stupid prediction in the first place Um, but uh, I've always kind of thought I would love a Fire Emblem fighting game in the style of Soul Calibur, like because yes, Soul Calibur is so that weapon would be based. Amazing, yeah. I think a two D fighter Fire Emblem in the style of Soul Calibur would be fucking incredible. What about like um, Zelda Cross Fire Emblem that was in that Soul Calibur style? Oh yeah, that'd be totally. And then cool. obviously you already have Link in Soul Calibur too, but yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, and I, then I would work wonders. Your more wacko idea, as if that was, <laughs> previous idea wasn't wacko enough, <laughs> um, was Metroid Cross F Zero Cross Star Fox. Um, and this is like an idea that a lot of people have said numerous times. Of this, that they have these three sort of space-related franchises that just need to. They just need to jump in bed together because they just work together <laughs> so well, don't they? Like they just uh, well, to... as some to more degrees than others. Yeah. But, um, I think Star Fox and F Zero definitely work better together. Metroid's kind of a little bit more serious with its tone and more yeah. uh, a little bit different. But, isolationist. Um, yeah, isolationist indeed. Um, 
So, yeah, that was a stupid prediction, but whatever. It's, that's the point of stupid predictions. So, I think out of all of that, can we agree you get half a point? Sure, I'll take half a point. For your Splatoon, although we know that Miyamoto didn't really work on it. So Well, he probably was, he's probably in the credits. I did oh, yeah. the credits recently, so he's probably there. But, uh, yeah, not super involved in that project, I don't think. So, so my number, my first prediction was that the... I just, we already assumed and we were right that Zelda would be, um, we'd see Zelda. So um, I thought the Zelda art style would be identical or look like the tech demo that they showed at 2012, 2013? It was 2012, 2012. I believe, yeah. So it's a very kind of uh, photorealistic looking uh, Link fighting a massive spider. Oh, see, I don't even think that was photorealism. That was no, very no, you're of... right. It, it was... It was more photorealistic than what we saw. Right. Yeah. So I, it was, I, I assume... It, it felt like the Twilight Princess art style, but souped up in a more kind of characterful way. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, we didn't really get that with Zelda. Yeah, I'd say that thing. it's somewhere different, more similar to Skyward Sword, almost, what we saw. Um, yeah. Or yeah. even elements from Wind Waker, certainly the lighting um, with that bloom. So yeah, I sure. think I was pretty well off on that one. Um, I also thought there would be a 3D Metroid game announced on the Wii U. Um, we live in hope, but no, yep. not, not yet. <laughs> we, not we'll, also, we'll, yet. we'll also die in hope, Bally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, I thought there'd be an F-Zero game that would be announced as a tie-in with uh, Captain Falcon being in Smash Brothers. Um, Interesting. Yeah, well, they did do that trailer with uh, Falcon with Robin and Lucina, which was the Smash announcement for him. Mm. Um Unfortunately, no F Zero yeah. time. And you also there, but... said last year, MBZ, that you'd you'd be willing to try out a new F Zero if it came out. So oh, yeah, I'm, I'm I still gonna, I'm still... going to hold on to that nugget. <laughs> sure, sure, I'll, I'll I'll try one out. Absolutely, if Nintendo fucking put the effort in to make a game, then I'll I'll do it. Uh, the question is whether they'll do that or not, which is probably very unlikely. Um, although that having been said, we got lots of F Zero last year in the sense of Mario Kart, right? Because of all the DLC that came out, and um, even you know earlier this year with Big Blue, mm-hmm. there's lots of F Zero stuff happening, but it's just not actual F Zero stuff. Not yet, but I'm, I'm sure we might come to that later. But um, oh, anyway, no, dear. <laughs> um, and then my wacko idea, which I am going to fight my cause for and gaining half a point here. Now, hear me oh, out. No. So my wacko idea was Advance Wars cross Fire Emblem. Uh, you're going to argue that Codename Steam is Advance Wars cross Fire Emblem. Steam is in a really funny way a little bit of both those games put into one. So I will uh, fight oh. my corner that I deserve a half point i'll give you a quarter of a, a quarter point for that point? Valley. I, but that come on that has to be doubled because it was my wacko idea oh uh, <laughs> uh, i don't know about that well you know what it doesn't matter it doesn't useless matter anyway. at all um, um so but anyway. it's interesting that that kind of came to pass in a strange kind of confluence of yeah events. i'm quite um, i'm quite happy with that but anyway yeah yeah well there you go <laughs> interesting um so those were our last year ones um you, this year do you want to go ahead and do those predictions uh, and like review them after the fact in our next show or do you want to hold on to them for next year and just keep this being a yearly thing <laughs> instead of uh, going I'm back I'm sure we can mention them in our reaction E3 reaction yeah. uh, podcast I don't know sure we'll, we'll, we'll they'll we'll probably see. come up naturally anyway yeah so. 
Uh, okay, cool. Well, uh, that was fun. Uh, we didn't do too great. Uh, half points each, if you're even going to count those. But, <laughs> I'm um, taking it. <laughs> look, it's hard to predict. And this is something we should really make a point of, is trying to predict Nintendo is trying to predict, like, I don't know, when the next World War is going to happen. Because... <laughs> that was there, dark. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of something more lighthearted, but I don't know. Something about the global scale of a world war um, and Nintendo's scale in which they operate uh, aligned in my brain. I, don't ask me how. Um, but point. look, the point is, you can't predict <laughs> Nintendo. They just go off on their own train and... Uh, march to the beat of their own drum uh, and they just put out games that you literally had no idea like no one was going to predict Splatoon last year nobody and that was a thing that happened Um, so yeah there's going to be stuff that we get wrong but that's all in the fun of the prediction game Um, so how about we get into those predictions Bally it's time for our E3 2015 Nintendo predictions and I will give you the honour of going first so let's jump in so my first prediction is that maybe this is a bit safe, but I hope I hope you'll give me credit that it's not that safe. I think there's going to be a very small download, unannounced game that you will be able to download straight after the digital event, and I predict it's going to blow me away. Like I don't know whether it will be a puzzle platformer or something different, like bo- uh, puzzle platformer like Box Boy or something else. But I feel like that Nintendo are going to drop that one again, where they go. And here's a new thing, and it's awesome, and you can have it right now. I feel like they're going to do that with a small game that we're going to enjoy, and I think that's going to be on um, 3DS. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Uh, I mean, they have made kind of a habit of doing this with um, a lot of eShop games after their Nintendo Directs. Um, in the, the last couple of times, sometimes it's a third-party thing or like an indie developed game rarely it's kind of your own nintendo branded stuff um but they do like to do that and i feel like a lot of the time it aligns with kind of the thursday download the standard time when nintendo downloads go up on the eShop. um this being happening on a tuesday um i maybe they're just gonna you know it's it's e3 so they can release shit whenever they want obviously um but uh that makes me a little bit more hesitant to it though it's not really well founded on anything um yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's the thing I think is that there will be, you know, obviously indie eShop reels, and I question: is it going to be something from an indie developer, or is it going to be a Nintendo published, um, created in-house eShop game like Pushmo or like Boxboy? Yeah, I, I'm pretty confident it'll be in-house. Um, and it might be a puzzle platformer, but I mean, it'd be quite nice if it wasn't. And um... That'd be interesting. Like I, d- I just love the idea of a slightly smaller, cheaper... I mean, Box Boy wasn't really that short at all, so it doesn't even have to be that short, but just a slightly smaller, cheaper game that gets... You get hyped about it, and then while you're in the hype zone, you can uh, buy it and play it and complete it, and I think that'd be nice. I, I really enjoyed uh, doing that with Box Boy. I think the couple of times they've done this, it's been stuff like NES Remix... Uh, I believe it was like one of the first ones they did it. Yes. Uh, I think they also did it with the Dr. Luigi game. Um, so, again, like kind of these sub tier leaning on their old franchises. I think kind they of did stuff. it with Sub Wars. Uh, maybe they well. did, yeah. So, I think yeah. there's been like four or five that are just here's a cool thing, 
You can have it now. Uh, between they might have done it with like the Pokemon Rumble or Shuffle or whatever yeah. uh, as an extra thing. Yeah, um, don't get, ho- don't get started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope, let's hope it's not that. That would be pretty terrible. Um, but yeah, I I think that if you're going along with this prediction, it would probably be using a well-known character as opposed to introducing something new like Box Boy and putting them yeah. in a different setting, like yeah. Doctor Luigi. You know. Um, yeah. Is there any any more detail you want to go into that if you want to make a bold prediction with another character? Uh, let's go for 2D platformer. So think uh, Gunman Clive, but made by Nintendo. <laughs> they make so many 2D platformers anyway. I don't care. They're going to make a short, quick, fun version of something with a, with a big Nintendo character that you're going to be able to just pick up straight after, have a really good time, and it won't take them too much development time, and we'll see it at I disagree with that 100% because I think if they're going to do a 2D platformer with a known Nintendo mascot, they're going to put it in a box and charge you. <laughs> you forced money me for into it. a corner. Then well, you better come up with better answers. Down. Come up with better answers, E3 Bally. Don't crumble under the pressure. Hacking uh, me down here after putting uh, me out to dry. Well, yeah. Yeah. look, this, this is what we'll happens. See. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay, cool. What uh, is I'm your first prediction, MBZ? Well, I'm going to cheat here because I'm going to. Oh, put so you're allowed da- to cheat. You're allowed to force me into a corner and I- then you're going to cheat. This, this <laughs> I host the damn show, Bally. <laughs> <laughs> this is my goddamn show, in the words of Garnett Lee. This is my damn show. Um, so, last year and every year for probably the last 10, uh, I've predicted 2D Metroid. And I'm going to just have this as my stalwart. Uh, this is just my consistent <laughs> prediction. I'm not going to include this as part of my three, but this is just, I'm just putting this down there. Um, couple caveats it's going to be developed by Next Level Games, it's going mm. to be on 3DS. We know that Next Level were working on a Metroid game before Nintendo approached them to do Luigi's Mansion 2. As a result of that, I think that they've gone back to that project now, and they're working on it. It may be in that kind of guacamelee style art style that it did before maybe something completely new but i am putting all my money that that is going to be next level when, game. That's when's it coming out um i think it's going to be a uh it's, it's going to be like a i feel like november doesn't make sense for metroid um okay. so perhaps it's going to be an a, like an early 2016 game like a kind of end of march what about that type of thing that awkward captain toad time it, yeah, that was really awkward, though. You know, that thing came out in December um, for you yeah, know, that was North weird. America, and it was January for us, which was... And then it was, like, even earlier for us because of a weird snafu and, you know, street oh, dates were being yeah. broken and all that shit. Um, but I could see that. I could see that maybe sneaking in there as a 3DS title. Uh, Nintendo doesn't seem to have a big 3DS title for the holiday. There's no Pokemon game announced yet, and I'm not sure if there will be one. Um, so... Metroid could fill that slot, but yeah, I'm kind of holding out hope on that. Um, so yeah, that's my Metroid prediction. That just happens cool. every year. We we roll with it, and it goes until it happens, and then I can stop predicting it. But until then, I'm forced <laughs> into a corner. It's like Colin Moriarty in The Last Guardian. It's never going to get <laughs> not predicted. It's going to happen. Um, so my real uh, first prediction uh, is going to be... Super NES Remix, uh, and very similar to you in the fact that it's going to be this downloadable game that they announce, and right. um, I don't think it's going to be released after 
uh, or during the Nintendo uh, digital event. I think it's going to be maybe a couple of weeks or, or so out, uh, maybe a month out, and they're going to just give it like um, a little bit of pre-release uh, hype. And it's going to feature Link to the Past mixed with Super Metroid and Mario World and Yoshi's Island and you know all these Super Nintendo classics. Do you think they're um, going to make more of an effort to mix this is quite a good prediction by the way i must say but do you think they'll make more of an effort to mix the 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 genres so actually stick link into the world of say super mario world yeah more so than they did with just nes remix which is which are both um games that we've still not played yeah and i think i've stayed away for them for good reason because there's a lot of stuff in there which is like I don't know if this is really worth it because most of those games is just playing those games in bite-sized chunks and there's not enough of the crossover stuff. So I think if they want this to do well and for people to get really excited about it, they have to push the crossover stuff way more. Like, give me a full level where I play Super Metroid, but I am Yoshi, you know? Give me that kind of crossover where I have to use Yoshi's power-ups to go through um, Meridia and try and use his eggs to fight enemies and, like, use his power-ups to get to places that Samus wouldn't be able to get to. That kind of going back and changing the design and making mm. it more interesting is the sort of thing that I want out I of the Super NES remix. I would love that if you can fight one of the bosses from Super Metroid with a Yoshi firing eggs. That would be yeah. amazing. It would be so cool because it takes these design ideas that were meant for something and completely put into something else. Um, and Metroid and Yoshi works because of that firing egg mechanic. It's almost like missiles being shot out. Um, and, you know, you can you can do that with loads of different And Super is this going to be games. Wii or 3DS or both? Uh, this is definitely going to be Wii U. I think, obviously, later down the line, it could be 3DS, but I think it may be new 3DS, um, an exclusive for new 3DS. Yeah, that and, makes sense, actually. Uh, yeah, because, I mean... Because we all 3DS... know that the 3DS can't play Super Nintendo games. So right, it's not powerful yeah, enough. That's, it's a big deal there. Um, but that seems like something that's probably likely, and, um, hey, maybe they... You know they'll just do another NES remix and it'll be kind of similar to that. But um, I hold out hope that it'll be more interesting. And that's really kind of the fundamental idea behind this game is that it's more of a crossover. So hopefully that'll happen. We'll see. So there's my first prediction and my Metroid prediction, which is just every every year. Which is so. just tattooed on your forehead by it, now. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I just walk down the street like in a Metroid outfit the whole yep. day. All day. A me- you called it a Metroid outfit? Yes. No, I mean yes. in a Met. I literally dressed oh, up as a Metroid. Metroid. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. thought I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna. You don't know. You don't you catch. You don't catch sin. me out. You don't catch me out, Bally. <laughs> That's not how this works. Hey, Metroid. Um. Hey, Metroid. Right. <laughs> well, my second prediction is new 3DS related. Um, okay. So I and it's also um, the new reward system related. So I okay. think. Okay. On a specific day, and I'm going to say that this is going to be this autumn, or as you say in the United States, fall. Some point early fall, early autumn, on this day, they're going to launch the new rewards system. And on this day, they're going to say, right, all that those virtual console games um, are now going to be available on the new 3DS. That, so they're going to link the Wii U's system with the new 3DS system. The new 3DS is going to have this awesome virtual console eShop. They're going to add GameCube games to the mix. And they're going to have a, a codes 
not a code system. They're going to have an automatic system where when you digitally download games, you get points. And with those points, you spend them on virtual console games. So this is just the next step in unifying everything, adding GameCube to the mix, giving you another reason to get a new 3DS that still doesn't completely divide the market because they're saying, hey, you're not dividing the market because you can still buy a Wii U. You don't just have to buy the new 3DS. And it's going to be the next step. Very interesting. I have a very similar prediction. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we can both we can we can drill down into these and kind of like yeah, uh, read out what what both of us think. Um, on my end, I think that the membership plan is going to do that thing where it obviously crosses the bridges between virtual console software for 3ds and Wii U. The way I think it's going to operate is that if you own a standard 3ds and a Wii U, then you still get cross buy. So you will have the copy on whichever system you want but the amount of connectivity between them will not be the same as if you own a new 3ds hold up so with the old 3ds are, is it going to get new virtual console what do you mean new virtual console so so existing on <laughs> that's a really bad word to use new um, yeah, so, yeah. So you're on... worse than nintendo valley <laughs> new the, virtual console on the current 3ds virtual console you've got game boy games and you have NES games. Those are the right. only two systems on the retro console. Are you suggesting they're going to add systems, or you're just suggesting that they're going to um, implement the original Game Boy and well, there's already NES on the Wii U to, to, to enable the cross-buy? I think that the the so currently between both systems what are the common virtual console platforms? Is it just NES? In my mind, yes. Yeah, just NES. Okay. In that sense, it's for the original 3DS, it's going to be NES games that will be transferable between the two, but you will also have the introduction of Game Boy and Game Boy Color games on Wii U to help that transition. That would be nice. Additionally, any kind of eShop games, things like Oli Oli or Teslagrat or these kind of you know independent games are basically cross-buy on Wii U and 3DS. Right? Okay. So so those kind of three levels of things are going to be across those two platforms. I don't think there's going to be any kind of GameCube N64 whatever. What I do think is that the same thing will apply with new 3DS. However, the difference is is that you can cross play between Wii U and 3DS. So you can basically have a save file that is on one which you immediately pick up on the other and you can seamlessly go between them. Save states carry over mm, all cool. done through the internet that and is cool. And that is the new 3DS differential to make it stand out from the standard 3DS. So while you can own it on both systems with the original, if you have the new one, you get the added benefit of that cross-save functionality. And how does this relate to the rewards, or are you not linking the two? Um, I didn't say anything necessarily about the rewards, because I'm still a little bit unsure about how they're going to roll that out. But I think that's a smart um, prediction on your part about it being similar to the digital, uh, what was it called, DDP, Digital Download Promotion, or whatever it was, um, with Wii U originally, where whatever money you spent on eShop games, you got back in percentage-wise. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, like it will do that seamlessly when you download games, and it will encourage you to download first part uh, not first part what am i saying, trying to say I'm, it'll encourage you to download rather than get retail games right but, so i mean obviously you... we download virtual console games anyways so you're still getting a benefit right uh, and yeah and I, I think it does help to 
make the difference between the digital and retail space a bit more obvious there um because at the current stage like we look at in the uk anyway we look at the eShop and we're like fuck 50 quid for splatoon no thanks i bought it for 27 on amazon like mm-hmm. that's yeah. literally half price that's fucking ridiculous in terms of um the gap but if you pay 50 quid squid should i say for splatoon <laughs> if you pay if you pay that for splatoon but you get five pounds back that may be a bit more of a palatable yeah, offer. Yeah, if that five quid that you're paying on the eShop goes to another game that you know is going to be cross-play between your 3DS and Wii U, it's starting to look more valuable. It's like, hey, Nintendo, take my money. Game, you don't get any of my money. Amazon, Yeah, well, I mean, away. game never gets yeah, any game of money. Yeah, game never gets money, but Amazon, your tempting offers are no more. <laughs> Yeah, um, so you, you were saying about GameCube. Um, do you think that that is going to be introduced as part of new 3DS then? you Ugh, think it's powerful enough it's, to run that stuff? That's debatable. I mean, if they can put bloody Xenoblade onto a new 3DS, there, I feel like there's very few GameCube games that wouldn't work. I mean, they'd obviously need a lot of readjusting, perhaps, and th- maybe that's a bad comparison because they actually remade the game. They didn't just, you know, port it necessarily. Um well, it was a port. I'm, I'm getting my words tangled here, but I'm saying that a lot more was done to that game to enable it on the system. So, and I still have an issue with the shoulder buttons on the GameCube because there are still numerous games, uh, including Super Mario Sunshine, where the differential between um, the squishy shoulder buttons between the actual click and just the squidge, if that makes sense. So when you're squid- yes. squidging the shoulder buttons on GameCube, does make a big difference to gameplay in a game like um, Super Mario Sunshine. Because when you click it in, Mario actually stands on the spot, squirting floods. So I'm not sure how they're going to implement that. But um... Well, I mean, they have more buttons than the GameCube now. They have two shoulder buttons on uh, the new 3DS. So... Good point. I mean, you could just make the squidge one button and the click another button, if that yeah, makes exactly. any sense. So, yeah. No, you're right. Maybe that's a good way around it. So, yeah, I do think yeah. it is possible that game we could see GameCube on either new 3DS or Wii U. Yeah, and I think the, the only problem I have with that would be you probably wouldn't be able to do any kind of cross-save functionality there. It would have to be independent of one another. Yeah, um, it might just, just because be the too way much. that they probably wouldn't be able to implement save states, you know? Mm. Um, so... Right. It's time for my final prediction. Okay, Bali. Off one. you go. I need your, ha- I need your a hand here, though, Emmy said. All right. So, I'll give you my hand. I'll so push I'd, it through my monitor. I'd, li- I'd like you to do an impression of Captain Falcon's most famous move. Falcon Punch! No, but, but say it in the way he would, you know? like Falcon Punch! Okay, great. So you added an accent. There. Okay. Right. So, so tell me where you think that accent is from. <laughs> what are we doing here? Just, just tell uh, me. Just tell uh, me. Uh, oh, Captain Falcon. He seems like um, Italian. Seems Italian. Really? I, was, I, thought, I wanted Spanish. you to say American. Uh, really? Yes, okay, because cool. you, that accent is definitely from Texas. And do you know what's in <laughs> Texas? What's in Texas, Bali? Retro Studios, because oh! they are working... <laughs> On F-Zero, and it is going to come out in 2016 in the exact Splatoon Mario Kart slot. They're going to push online capabilities, and this is not out of the question, because remember, Retro Studios worked on some of the tracks in Mario Kart 7, 
And we now know that there are F-Zero tracks in Mario Kart 8. So uh, there's that link there that, mm-hmm. you know, they've got all the assets. So it's going to happen. And the reason, another reason I think it's going to happen is that we all know the Wii U, it's just not working out. It's really not selling well. Um, it's never, I'm going to make this point, it's never going to sell well. Uh, I think Nintendo accept that point. Why would you waste your top-selling IP on a system like the Wii U? So obviously Zelda's coming, we know that. But why would you bother investing maybe another 3D Mario onto something like the Wii U when you can save it for the NX? We all know F-Zero is not a a game that sells very well. So I think you put your eggs, you separate them into the same baskets. So F-Zero goes in the basket with the unsuccessful system, which is the Wii U. So why not put it out on that? You know you're not going to sell tons of it. So just please the few fans who want the game and put it on Wii U. That is a very well-reasoned and actually somewhat believable prediction, uh, despite it being about F-Zero, which is really funny. <laughs> I um, worked hard on that. I really did, but yeah. No, it's, it's, it's totally true. When you think about how Retro were really heavily involved in remaking those old tracks for Mario Kart 7, they have experience in the racing genre now, and as a result, they probably could do some really awesome track design for an F-Zero game. Um, they probably would be able to create a game that is fucking gorgeous given like their graphical fidelity and the, the, the talent they have in that arena from Metroid Prime and obviously Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze looks gorgeous um, there are a lot of kind of ways in which that could all line up and F-Zero could be coming out of retro um, so yeah I, I, I kind of I mean I agree <laughs> I really, I really do believe in the argument that you you save your good eggs for the good systems and your bad eggs yeah. for the bad systems. No, that makes absolute sense. I don't yeah. think that there will be a Metroid Prime game or any big Metroid game on this system because it would make more sense to hold that. Now, if they do do a Metroid game on the system, it would probably not be a Prime. It would probably be something more experimental, something a little bit different, um, and they save the big gun for the NX. Um, I don't know if Retro have been expanding, if they have a larger team size, if even they're going to split into two teams, but perhaps if they have one kind of subset of their group working on, say, this F-Zero game, the rest of the folk can be, you know, working on stuff at NX and, like, figuring that system out, hopefully having something in time for launch of that system, which would give it a great, you know, kick out the starting gate, get people excited about it. Um, So... Yeah, from that perspective, and I mean, it totally if, it, if it's a super success, well, whatever you would quantify as a success on the Wii U at that stage in its life cycle, we're talking, you know, May 2016. Yeah. If it is a success, then just later down the line of the NX, you just say to Retro, right, make another one for the NX, and they can do a few tweaks, changes, see what works, and then, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Absolutely. All right. <sighs> well, uh, there you go, Bali. Those were some solid predictions. Um, my last one is, uh, I think, I wouldn't say it's obvious, I'd say it's probably likely, Um, but I think that there is going to be a remake slash remaster slash HD-ification of a game at E3. And there are a few choices I have here. (laughs) Is the Pope Um, a Catholic? (laughs) Yes. The obvious one that everyone talks about is Mario Sunshine. Um, This makes sense because... 
Wind Waker was obviously a GameCube game of that era, which has been remade and is now beautiful, but it also had lots of issues and lots of problems that people picked apart at over time. Mario Sunshine certainly has its fair share of issues. Let's talk about the motherfucking blue coins, because let me tell you, that doesn't sound like a fun thing to do these days, is to go back to those levels and fucking go and do the blue coin shit because that was horribly implemented it was like 20 of the shines wasn't it it was something ridiculous it was, you had yeah, to get I, just I, by trading those I things mean, in I still need to go back to that game but um, yeah if you wanted to 100% there were just tons and tons of blue coins scattered throughout every single level that you had to go and find and, and there wasn't really like a good way of categorizing which ones you had which ones you hadn't nope um, it was a bit of a mess like that is a, an aspect of that game that really needs to be revisited and rethought through um and additionally, a lot of the coolest levels in those games were the ones which were kind of the precursor to Mario Galaxy, right? You Absolutely. know, those floodless levels. Um, I feel like they could add some more of those and get the EAD Tokyo team to, like, lend a hand there, uh, you know, create some new levels for Mario Sunshine involving, uh, you know, floodless stuff. Um, and that could just prove ultimately a very fruitful endeavor because we know that mario maker is their big mario game for the holiday probably but if they had a 3d one i think it would have appeased a lot more of the hardcore nintendo crowd Um, i I think more casual people go after mario maker i actually think mario maker will be more the bayonetta slot and then you're gonna get star fox in that november slot Mm, maybe but yeah well in any case, I think Mario Sunshine is more of a kind of niche title for the hardcore people. Yeah. And I um, think if they, that game could look so beautiful in HD, oh yeah, totally. if you thought Wind Waker HD looked good, I think this game could look incredible in HD. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the obvious choice. That's, that's a pick um, there. The other one, I would say, in lieu of Zelda not being available at the end of this year, they need to have something to fill that Zelda-shaped hole. Uh, and so they are going to do a Twilight Princess slash Skyward Sword double pack Oof. HD remaster. Um, there are lots of elements of both of those games that they could fix. Um, stuff with the wolf in Twilight Princess. Um, some of the padding in Skyward Sword at the end could really be cut down. There's lots of kind of thinning that those games kind of require and they could go through and gut them um, needs be. Um, and I feel like that is potentially uh, another option. I feel Mario Sunshine is the more likely one, but Twilight Princess slash Skyward Sword as a double pack could be a more appealing prospect for the consumer. Um, but then again, we already have Wind Waker on the system. Do they really want to put out two more Zelda re-releases? Um, but hey, it's a possibility. I mean, we've already got two on 3DS, so you never know. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Um, but I think that, yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm going to put my money. There will be an HD remaster. Will it be one of those? Who knows? It's Nintendo. They fucking do whatever they want. But um, those are all our major predictions. Um, I think they were pretty solid. We put a lot of thought into those, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I think I think they were we did. Quite good. Better than last year, I I feel. I feel like um, we're going to so get zero points again. Well, we'll probably we'll get I zero get points again. Point, but yeah. Maybe. Um, before we close this out, uh, let's talk about a crazy prediction, if you have one, Okay, Valley. My crazy prediction, and it's a real shame that this is a crazy prediction, <laughs> is that we see a fully-fledged Zelda trailer at the, the digital event. It's not playable on the show floor, but it comes out this year. That is stupid. 
<laughs> and it's not gonna happen. That's why it's my crazy prediction. Yep, yep, yep. Makes absolute sense. Um, you were talking to me earlier about the wording of yes. Zelda. Yes. Explain to me. Explain to the audience what your thoughts are here on the wording of their thoughts on Zelda. So the show. So there's this idea, and I was actually listening to a um, political podcast okay. all about the lines that. Spin doctors tell politicians to use in order to mislead press. So okay. a politician will famously say, a journalist will ask a politician, uh, "Shadow leader, if what what's the X party uh, policy on the funding of this road?" And then the the shadow leader might say if i were in government today my pol- i would do this okay so then when they do end up being in power and they do something different and the journalist says you said your policy on this was to do that and then he said he, the the shadow leader can say look at the transcript carefully see what i said and the and the, the the nuances that he said, if I was in power right now, this is what I would do. He mm. didn't actually say my policy on this is. So there's okay. a there's really careful language that politicians use, just as much as these big companies like Nintendo. And I just feel that by the digital event is so f- removed from E3 in a way that saying that something isn't at E3 can definitely mean the physical space of e3 so that definitely does rule out it being on the show floor i definitely don't think it rules out a trailer that's what that's my ethos behind it okay i don't believe it but (laughs) that's because i just yeah i want some points if there's a zelda trailer is what i'm saying (laughs) look i will give you two million points okay okay (laughs) <laughs> so you will win by default if there is one. Um, all right. So uh, my stupid prediction, um, it's the thing that every journalist tells Nintendo they should do, which they're still probably not going to do. It's called Nintendo Library. It's a subscription-based virtual console um, thing. You pay every month, get access to all the virtual console stuff. Of course, if you uh, own a new 3DS and Wii U, you have all the cross-play, all the cross-save functionality with a new membership plan. It's an utopia, utopia, should I say, of uh, of all their back catalogue, um, and everyone gets to drink in the garden of Nintendo's library, and that's a fun time. So, uh, yep. wait, wait, wait. So, how's it different to Virtual Console? I'm a bit confused. No, it's a, it's a subscription-based oh, thing. I see. So you okay. you pay a monthly fee, and for that monthly fee, you get access to all the Virtual Console catalogue, or a portion, or whatever. Like they could siphon it off so it's like this many games you get access to or whatever but you pay that monthly fee and it doesn't mean you have to like spend individual amounts on games you just download whatever game you want to play at whatever time um and that's how it would work so you just always have access to the library and that's why it's the nintendo library yay books reading education yeah i've I've... it's not gonna happen but yeah it's interesting no yeah yep (laughs) both just shrug off each other's Stupid predictions, because they're stupid. Okay, well, uh, that pretty much rounds us up for our prediction part of the show. But we did uh, ask you folks to email us about some of yours. Uh, and we got uh, some good responses. So, uh, Bali, how about we dip into those? Yeah, so we got an email from Zvari. 
um, who listed a lot of their E3 predictions. Um, num- Do you want to go through these one by one and kind of comment as we go? Yeah, a quick comment on each one, maybe? Yeah, that sure. Like so, number one, we will see the next round of DLC for Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, Splatoon. Nintendo wants people to keep playing these games, and DLC is the best way to do so. I 100% agree. That is uh, it's a safe prediction, but it's a, it's a good one. Um, I'm not sure on the Mario Kart end. I'm a bit more sceptical there. I feel like they kind of uh, exhausted their engine, if you wish. <laughs> uh, and uh, they are going to, uh, <laughs> they're going to focus more on Smash Brothers. Of course, like recently we just got the announcement that uh, Sakurai yes. is hosting like a 20-minute um, Smash Brothers-based thing on the Sunday. So there's going to be talk of Lucas there. There's maybe going to be some more reveals of characters there. Maybe they'll hold that for their... Uh, digital event who knows what their kind of plan is with smash brothers but smash brothers is still a big deal the fact that they are closing off a solid 20 minutes removed from their digital event just to talk about smash brothers stuff it's a huge part of their plan going forward and they absolutely will talk about smash brothers dlc um splatoon i think they need to maybe wait a little on this i'm not 100 percent guaranteed that they're going to be talking splatoon dlc at e3 i feel like it's more likely they're going to go after that stuff once all the features they promised are going to be added after august so maybe later like around christmas they'll have a direct talking about splatoon moving forward um uh but yeah smash brothers absolutely what do you feel valley here yeah i i agree with you i do think it's maybe too early for Splatoon, Smash Brothers very likely, obviously, with that announcement of the mini sort of direct thing. Uh, Mario Kart 8, I, I'm, I'm quietly confident there'll be um, another pack or two. Um, I, I just tweeted this um, a little while ago, but I, I said, like, five years ago, would you ever have imagined that Nintendo would have three s- semi-successful online games, one of which was a fighter, one that was a shooter, and one that was a racing game? Like, it is unbelievable how far Nintendo have come with those three games. And DLC, uh, another word that you didn't really associate with Nintendo, and now we're talking about all of that all rolled into one. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, Number two, Mario Maker will include an eight-world campaign similar to regular 2D Mario game. Uh, This will make the game seem like more than just a creative tool and will drive sales. Uh, I agree with this. I think that Nintendo do need to add some sort of single-player developer-created campaign um, because, let's be honest, the majority of people who buy this are not going to be the ones creating levels for it. You know, that's a very kind of small community that will be very passionate about it and will create a lot of great stuff, I'm sure. But when it launches, that stuff won't exist. And I feel you need to have something there, at least for the launch, where people won't have anything to play otherwise. Because if they just throw it out there and there's nothing, like, what are people going to do? If they don't want to make levels, they're not going to play it until there are levels available. Um, So... That's why I think there has to be a campaign. Um, I would kind of think that they might just throw in a few levels that the creators made. I don't think there will be a formal Eight World campaign, personally. Okay. Um, but and I think overnight you'll just see thousands upon thousands of stages getting created, and I really hope um, that there will be a really good ranking system that come. I say 24 hours after the game's launched, I think there will already be at least eight worlds worth of 
really solid, innovative levels that people will already be playing. I think it might be eating their own tail a bit to create their own, spend so much time on their own world, personally. But all, right. all well, will we'll be see. revealed. Sure. Um, point number three, next level games and Retro Studios projects will be revealed. I don't know what they are going to be, but they are going to be announced. Maybe Metroid? Question mark. Well, I think we're kind of we agree. Um, we're kind of yeah. siding on next level going for two D Metroid and retro on F Zero. That's our broad yeah. speculation. But I guess we'll see. Anything to add, MZ? Uh Not really. Um, yep. So Metroid. number four, a game will be announced for Wii U that will be released in late May of 2016. I say this because E2 2013 Mario Kart 8 and 2014 has Platoon. Uh, what this will be, I don't know. Maybe one of Next Level Games or Retro Studios projects. Well, that's kind of tying in with the other one. Um, I'm thinking that game's F-Zero. Do you want to have a guess at what you think that game might be, MBZ? Uh, it has to be a big title that entices a lot of people. Like, Mario Kart 8 and Splatoon, these both kind of similar games in the sense that they're multiplayer, they're online, they're kind of family-friendly. Um, and I, I'm not Animal sure... Animal Crossing... It- yeah, you know what? If they were to announce an Animal Crossing, the May window would be perfect for that. So I will, yeah, I'll probably put my money if, on that. I, I don't Cross- think Animal Crossing <laughs> makes it out this year. I think it makes it out for the May slot for next year. If Animal Crossing budges out F Zero, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill someone. Like so, well, Bally, heads why, will roll. Why 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 such drastic action? That's like this is <laughs> the real world we live in. Come Animal on. Crossing. But anyway, uh, point number five: Star Fox for Wii U will be delayed for the second half of 2016. We really haven't seen any of the game, and I'm worried about its progress. It'll still be released uh, before Zelda, though. If Star Fox doesn't come out this year, I have no fucking clue what Nintendo are doing with in terms Twiddling of their content. Yeah. Like, I, I, I 100% agree with him in the sense that we literally have not seen a single screenshot even of Star Fox. Like, we've seen fucking nothing, and yet it's expected to come out this year? Like, it's uh, going to be revealed at E3. Yeah. Um, but, I, I don't know, it's a little bit worrying. Are you going with Mario Maker for big Christmas game? I see. I I think they if they if they're going to announce a big Christmas game, it's going to be a thing they announce at E three and is going to be out before the end of the year. Um, I don't think Star Fox or Mario Maker fill yeah. that slot. Um, I but, uh, I think it's going. I think Star Fox is going to be that Christmas game. I think like three D World, it's going to be a quick turnaround. It's going to be a okayish trailer. We're going to get an awesome trailer late in the in the summer, and it's going to come out in November. Uh, that's okay. That's what I think. It's a, it's a good timeline. It's a good timeline. Um. Six Fire Emblem If will have a roundtable showcase. E3 2013 had one for Pokemon X Y, and 2014 had one for Codename Steam. Fire Emblem seems like the biggest 3DS game that they have right now, so a roundtable seems appropriate. Uh, yeah, the Nintendo have a tradition of kind of staggering their announcements throughout the E3 week. They don't blow their load at the digital event necessarily. They'll have the Treehouse Live where they'll announce stuff. And then, of course, these roundtables, which traditionally over the past couple of years have been for 3DS games. Because when it comes to the digital event, it's generally console-focused. Um, and that's the way that E3 generally goes, is they focus on the kind of home uh, console games and the handhelds get shoved to the side a little bit. Um I don't know if it will be on Fire Emblem. Um, I mean, that's going to be is... it's going to be next level's 2D Metroid, definitely. Come yes, on. yes, it has Actually, to be. You know, that's a good point. Faith. I think that is that is a good place to reveal that game. Um, 
and have a good discussion about it like Codename Steam was a brand new thing that no one knew about um, that would be perfect although with Metroid being Metroid I do think that there is a value to having it in the digital event yeah, as opposed to this side thing um, but uh, who knows There's, it's, it's always exciting for those round tables and the other thing about it is they generally don't live stream that stuff so it's the one time where I'm like sitting on Nintendo World Report as they literally type a blog as it comes in real time like from them and <laughs> the good like, old fashioned days of the yeah it, it just reminds me of like the old days of like how people Before would get their video. news from E3 um, exactly so yeah I'm looking forward to it no matter what it is so final point Animal Crossing Wii U will be announced and released this holiday season it will have its own amiibo line and will have some sort of capability with Happy Home Designer on the 3DS this is a stretch but Nintendo needs something else to push holiday sales New Leaf was a success and Animal Crossing seems like something that can be uh, shelled out in time keep up the great podcast guys okay uh yeah animal crossing as we said i think it's going to be the may release window of 2016 um but so many people are predicting this despite the fact that the holiday happy homey ham designer ham designer is announced for 3ds i'm Um, i'm gonna say again i think back to that good egg bad egg scenario animal crossing in terms of sales is a good egg i think it's going to be saved till nx personally um, and just yeah, so you wouldn't want them to basically waste it on dying platform. Exactly. I think broadly speaking, a quick calendar for me would be um, that sort of early autumn slot as Mario Maker, big holiday title as Star Fox, big May title with the online multiplayer is going to be F Zero, and Christmas next year is Zelda. And I think those are the f- biggest games we're going to see of the Wii U's life cycle, and beyond that. That's well, now don't gonna... don't forget about Xenoblade, son. Of, of uh, course, of course, of course. But of course, that's not going to sell any systems. No, all, so. and that, it's <laughs> it's a unfortunately it is a bad egg. But it, it, the Wii U seems so suitable for a game like Xenoblade Cross. Sure. So absolutely, it's great. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Zvari, for those. Those are great predictions. Um, certainly, interesting stuff that we didn't cover. So. Uh... Thank you for those. Uh, what's our next email? Quick Bye. one from Sullivan, just to add a bit of realism to our fantasies here. Um, <laughs> my prediction for E3 is one I'm 100% sure will happen, and that is disappointment. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... I must say, if my plans come to fruition, I'm going to be one happy camper, and that's kind of the reason that they're part of my plans. So, yeah, to add a bit of... Um, salt to the party perhaps I, I definitely think that stuff like we've mentioned like for me F-Zero coming out next year I think is highly unlikely but you know gotta have hope so yeah Disappointment and E3 are basically the same word let's be honest uh, so <laughs> look it up in a dictionary guys you'll uh, you'll see the entry there <laughs> the uh, translation um, yeah yep pretty much yeah uh... So, our final email on E3 is from Nagi, and I'm just going to go through some of his bullet points one by one that we can have a quick discussion about, and then we can wrap it up. So, sure. Nagi says there's going to be a retro bus, retro going to bust, busting out a full-scale open world, open plane, open solar system, Metroid Prime 4, No Man's Sky scale, but with the Metroid universe pre-built planets in which you get to explore about the size of Prime 1's Talon 4. That is, uh, that's an astronomical prediction. <laughs> which, I th- uh... Yeah, that sounds awesome. And if that game exists, I would, I would push it back to NX as well. I mean, that's a very negative yeah. thing to say, but like, yeah, 
I don't know. It's, it, it's an awesome idea, and I think it's one that I'm sure a few people have suggested before. But um, It just sounds like your typical fanboy like kind of... <laughs> it, it, it sounds like, you know, just a fan writing out the famous, that like, oh, my video game is going to be a million things wide, and you can go everywhere and do everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's, you know, I, I like games like that. I'm playing The Witcher, which is practically that, but for a fantasy world, so... Um, next, next point: Golden Sun 3DS sequel. Since Camelot aren't doing anything, would probably be, probably be relegated to 3DS Real or Treehouse segment. Uh, now, if you don't know Nagi, he's a huge fan of Golden Sun, so he always mentions it when everyone else forgets that it exists. Um, What's Golden Sun? But, uh, I, just, I don't know. It's this game, it's uh, RPG. You go around. Next point: Contra. Uh, no. <laughs> no um, I actually think that this is pretty likely uh, in the sense that it's pretty, it may be like a kind of a trailer real thing. They may not focus too much on it, but Camelot are done with their Mario tennis game on 3DS. They're done with their Mario Golf game on 3DS. What else are they going to do? Uh, and I think a, another RPG on 3DS would work extremely well. Uh, Bravely Default was a huge success. Fire Emblem Awakening was a huge success. I think Golden Sun would push units. It would be great for the February 2016 window. And I think that that's a smart prediction and it may well happen. Um, I'd love to see a Treehouse segment on it as well. So, um, Golden Sun's one of those series that I need to go back to, play the old games of, uh, and I will be doing on that the soon. Virtual Console on Wii U. Yep, absolutely. Um, Next point. Contrary to popular belief, Nintendo will keep to their word, not show anything Zelda-related, whether it be a random trailer during the World Championships or just in the Direct in general. If they do, in fact, show a Zelda trailer, they they set this untrustworthy precedent on themselves. I don't think as a company they would want. That's an interesting way to look at it in the sense that Nintendo have made their point. They're already untrustworthy. Look at them. They say, here's Zelda. It's coming out 2015 and then it's not. Like, I don't That's think... a good point. At the Game Awards, Miyamoto yeah. was like, oh, it's coming out this year. Yeah, yeah. So many delays. And then, I mean, that Mario Kart DLC pack 2 came early. So, I mean, there's nothing to say that what they've said in the past means it's set in stone, personally. But, and we've already, I, I've already said my spiel on Zelda. Yeah, and we've already kind of covered the, the politics of it all. But um, yeah, sure. Any anything to add, MZ? Nope. Let's, uh, let's so move on. next point: Xenoblade Cross is definitely being shown again this year. If Xenoblade Cross's treehouse footage still shows the Japanese version instead of a localized build, that is a slow sign of slow development. I think that means a sure sign of slow development, and that might yeah. hint it. To it not coming in 2015. That is a very good point um, Nagi makes. I sure hope yeah. there's an English-speaking character. Um, in oh, it. they! I think they have to. I think they really have to show that at this point. I don't know like how far along the localization is. I don't actually know who is localizing it. It may be a treehouse in you know in studio project, which would make sense because it is a first-party title. Um, but you know, eight four localized uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, and that's a first-party title as well. Who knows? Um, there's a lot of work that has to go in there because it is fully voice acted, and there is probably more text in that game than any Nintendo game that will come out this year. So. Uh, yeah, it's. I I'm gonna be afraid if they get to the treehouse segment and it's still all in Japanese. Um, but we'll see. But hey, if yeah. I have to wait a little longer to play another ninety-hour game, then yeah, that's all right with me. <laughs> you need a bit of a break. I need a little need a bit break. of a break. That's true. Uh, next prediction: Pokémon Tournament will reveal a character in time for its July release date. Maybe two. Still no console release date time 
frame due to how Bandai Namco deals with fighting games and their arcade releases. I don't think this will be talked about. I agree. I don't think anything arcade related relates to um, home console or 3DS or sales in that sense. And I don't think it's going to be mentioned. I think the only way they talk about it is if they announce it to come out on Wii U this year and it's going to be a big holiday title. And I think this actually has the potential to fill a slot as a big holiday title because it's Pokemon and because it's on a home console. Um... It kind of fits in the Smash Brothers realm of possibility as a fighter, so you know it's that that is a potential thing. But you know the way that the arcade releases work in Japan is very unlikely that it'll be out this year, um, it, let alone in English and like in North America or Europe. So, yep. Next point from Nagi: This year's holiday title will be revealed to either be Star Fox or Treasure Tracker Two. I can't think of anything else they could release in that time frame for the Wii U or something they can create in time for November. Well, I wouldn't really necessarily think along the lines of create something in time for November because usually what Nintendo do is they hold back an announcement for something that is scheduled for November, like Mario 3D World, which they then announce at E3. What, what, so, what, what do we think EAD Tokyo are working on? We've not really said that. No, we haven't. Have and I, I think, I think they're kind of. I'm going to go with Star Fox. <sighs> No, I think the messaging around EAD Tokyo is that they are working on the next new Mario game, but it's probably going to be on the next system, and that they are holding it back at the moment and for NX as opposed to being on Wii U. And I don't think that team is on Star Fox. I think they've found a different team at Nintendo to work on that game. Okay. Um, and I feel like it wouldn't fit with them and fit with what they have experience on. So I, I highly doubt that's the team that's working on Star Fox with Miyamoto. I think it's a different group of people. Um, and you, and uh, just to reiterate, you think the big Christmas game this year is something they haven't announced. Yet. Okay. I think it's going to be what Nagi says is like the holiday title is going to be revealed as a thing. I don't think it's Star Fox. I don't think it's Treasure Tracker 2. <laughs> um, I do, I do, however, think that EAD Tokyo are probably working on something like Treasure Tracker in the sense that they're going to release another smaller scale Mario style game um, that's more of a spin-off. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. It's a great world. It looks great. The music's great. I'd love to get back into that world that isn't just another Mario platformer but it's something I certainly think that studio has the resources to put out another smaller game like that and still be working on the new NX Mario game and then uh, the final so, point yeah. from Nagi and this is a very valid one there will be nothing being developed or published for the Wii U from Activision Ubisoft or EA's front yep <laughs> pretty much welcome to the Wii U third yep. parties beware get out of here you're not welcome um, yep that is uh, I'm sure like whether the NX can fix that for the next generation will be a whole other topic in the future that's, of this that's podcast. a bloody different um, can of beans but, um, I'll tell you I think we've said a lot already about the lack of third parties at on Nintendo platforms yes yes indeed um so on that sobering thought, let's wrap this show up. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. And uh, I'm excited for E3, Bally. It's going to be uh, a fun one. There's going to be lots of stuff happening. There are more E3 press conferences this year than there ever have been. I am going to be watching stuff for a long time. It's going to be a great time. And uh, I know you're looking forward to it as well. So um... Yeah, it's going to be good. And we should make clear that we're going to do another special podcast 
as quickly as possible um, straight after the digital event on Tuesday the 16th of June. So that's going to hopefully come out in the evening or the following day, isn't it, MBZ? Yeah, I'm going to try and get a quick turnaround on that one. It may be a little later for recording because Square Enix's press conference is directly after Nintendo's and I do want to watch that, so um, we may be a little bit of a crossover happening there, but um, I'll I'll aim to get it out for the end of the uh, Nintendo press conference day um, and you should have that in your feeds as soon as possible. Um, yeah, we'll we'll find out if we are wrong or right on these ridiculous predictions we made. Hey, I, I really I really enjoyed sort of just talking about these ideas and what we think is going to happen, what might happen, and yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because this is a really kind of uncertain year for what's yeah. ahead. Absolutely, it's a, it's a bit of a weird one, but I'm sure there will be surprises. Nintendo do anything they basically turn the table upside down so i await that moment Uh, i'm sure it will be a wonderful one um but before we go uh let's plug ourselves and plug stuff that's uh, coming in the future uh of course we have our soon to be new segment new part of the show called the backlog club uh for which we are playing the legend of zelda the minish cap uh bally i know you're gonna start that soon Mm -hmm. and uh, we are aiming to talk about that sometime after e3 uh maybe uh, a couple of shows after e3 we will go for a discussion of that Uh, and so if you are playing through that do keep going with it try and finish it uh, as soon as you possibly can and then send us (laughs) some emails uh, and your thoughts on the game and uh, stuff that you like about it it. send us tweets of how you're getting along with it if you are playing along with us and I'm trying to start this little hashtag on the go hashtag backlog club so yeah if you have anything to say about the Minish Cap do, do use the hashtag the backlog club all right, sounds good. Um, where can they follow that Twitter account, Bally? The Twitter account for our podcast is at TNL Podcast. That's at TNL Podcast. If you want all our updates on when the shows are coming out, any videos we're making between all that good stuff, you want to be following that account. Uh, and of course, there's our email as well, which is this Nintendo Life at gmail.com. So you can send us uh, your Minish Cap. Uh, kind of progress reports I guess as you go along with that game uh, to that email address uh, you can also find us on the internet I'm at LordNBZ on Twitter you can find me also on the Miiverse LordNBZ is the name there too what about you Bally? I'm at Ballyman91 B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1 I've passed 200 followers NBZ. oh joy joyous day. Um, so thank you everyone out there who has been following me um, it's pretty awesome having 200 followers yeah so let's Keep keep up, keep up that Twitter train along with Excellent. the E3 hype train that's over- oh, we're, overtaking look, we're, it. <laughs> it's yeah, nothing overtakes the E3 hype train. Oh, I'll it's not you. stopping. It's- it never does um, uh, of course you can always find the show on iTunes uh, it's where all the episodes are kept and uh, you'll get it there first it's always the YouTube version that comes out a little bit later I'm aiming to get both of the versions up uh, early for this episode though because we do want uh, people to hear it before the actual show happens so that you well, can that won't uh, bother you because you're already listening to it <laughs> yeah exactly you're already <laughs> listening to this part right now so wherever you're listening uh, yeah, you're 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 on time, I guess. Well, unless you're no, you're to late. You're late. Twenty seventeen. You've not. <laughs> you've not so who knows? Who knows when someone's listening to this, Bali? Um, 
Podcasts are timeless, as they say. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher. It's uh, an app on the phones. If you don't like iTunes, Stitcher is a good place to find us. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back very, very soon with our Nintendo reactions uh, to the press conference slash digital event slash whatever the fuck they do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, thanks for listening. See you guys next time. Goodbye. Bye. interlude used in today's show was The Fields of Ard Skellig from The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Copyright CD Projekt Red 2015. Hello? Hello? Why have we stopped for a reason? No, we're not stopped. Oh, you, what are you, you, talking you about? said I'm going to go in with, my, with the first one and then you went silent. No, I said I'm going to give you the oh, honour of starting... <laughs> Were you listening? <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were like, I am going to go first. No, I, no, like, okay, I said I'm going to give you here, the like... honour of doing the first prediction. And then you just go <laughs> silent. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, God. Right, just, I'm, just well, jump I'm just in. Gonna, your... I'm just going to start and say, my first prediction is, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Right.